It's the Book Squad Podcast, a production of Lawrence Public Library and Audio Reader Network. On this edition, our two-book minimum features The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, Ready Player One by Ernest Klein, Some Possible Solutions, Stories by Helen Phillips, and Love Medicine by Louise Erdrich. Later on, we'll be talking about Geraldine Brooks and her novel Year of Wonders, as well as book club speed dating, other events, and news from the book world. And now it's over to our resident Lawrence Public Librarians and Book Squad gurus, Kate Gramlich and Polly Kane. Okay. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'm Kate. I'm Polly. And this is the Book Squad podcast. That's what they tell me. It is. <laughs> it's because we made it up. I'm in the right place then. Yes. Thank yes, goodness. This is the right room. Okay. Uh, so we've got some news since last time, and we're also going to try to use each other's names as much as possible so you all can get used to who's talking, even though this is a problem because neither of us really like to be uh, called by our names. <laughs> no, Kate. It seems condescending, Polly. I don't. But we're going to try. All right. We're going to try. For you. For the listener. For we're going to try. Okay. So we really need to get to it because we actually have some big bookish news. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Carnegie shortlist is out. Um, for nonfiction, the Firebrand and the First Lady, a portrait of friendship, Polly Murray, Eleanor Roosevelt, and the Struggle for Social Justice by Patricia Bell Scott is on that list. Evicted, Poverty and Profit in the American City, which I'm going to talk about a little bit. Um, Matthew Desmond, or I'll, you know, talk a little bit later about. Um, Blood at the Root, a Racial Cleansing in America by Patrick Phillips, which I have that one in my to-be-read pile right now. Um, reading a lot of hoots right now, let me see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, fiction, Moon Glow by Michael Chabon, um, which I'm hearing great things about. Swing Time by Zadie Smith, also hearing a ton of good stuff about that. And The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead, who is, you know, Oprah's oh my darling boy. So um, those are the Carnegie shortlists right now. And also Zadie Smith, you would have a chance if you live or in or around Lawrence, you would have a chance to see a Carnegie shortlist person, Zadie mm. Smith, um, on the on December, December 1st. 1st. She's yeah. going to be up at KU. Awesome. Yeah. So um, secondly, Man Booker Prize also out. Um, and this is super exciting. USA, USA. <laughs> it's the first time that an American has I can't won. believe that. I know. But it is. It's the first time that Americans won. Um, the Sellout by Paul Beatty. Um, I have not had a chance to read this yet, but I will tell you what Sarah Silverman said about it. She said the sellout is brilliant. It's amazing. It's like demented angels wrote it. That sounds lovely. That's what she said. So it's um, it's showcases a comedic genius at the top of his game, a biting satire about a young man's isolated upbringing. And an appeal of a race trial that sends him to the Supreme Court. Sounds kind of deep. But it's supposed good, yeah. to be really funny as well. And so. our friend Stephanie won a bet because uh, she called it back in January that that was going to be the winner. <laughs> so Who ha- She must be like... She's a librarian mm-hmm. wizard. She is a librarian wizard because mm-hmm. nobody knew because mm-hmm. no Americans had ever won before. Mm-hmm. So good job, Stephanie. And I saw this, actually, that the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, which is an older (laughs) book, but near and dear to my heart. So good. Because you know why? 
because Mm-mm. my very first librarian job, I had to do a presentation, and I picked that book. Oh, what a good a one. Book. Yeah, because it's a it's great for, for book clubs, I think. Um, is being made into a movie. Sounds like it's a little rocky. They're having a little trouble, Kate. Oh. Let me tell you, Kate, they're having a little trouble. Why, Polly? Why? Um, they're having some just some trouble with production and getting all their business together. But it's currently set to star Lily James. Who plays that? Lady Rose from Downton Abbey. Oh, yeah. So um, there's the bookish news. Nice. And uh, news sort of in, in our bookish sphere. Sphere. Um, we just had two excellent author visits um, in Lawrence. We had Geraldine Brooks, who's one of whose books we will talk about uh, shortly. Uh, and then also Nathan Hill, who's a debut author. Um they were really wonderful. Geraldine Brooks, that was one of the best interviews. That was the best interview I've ever seen in person. And yeah. Laura Moriarty, another a local um, author, she did a killer job with the interview. She did. And Geraldine just, oh. ugh. Oh, they were so, she's so wee and just adorable and just brilliant. And like, had these red boots. Oh, the red boots. so cute. The red boots and the velvety or whatever, yeah, it was, satiny pants. It was a great outfit. Ugh. ugh and was, she's so smart, but was, also approachable. Yeah. And you felt like you were kind of in a little chat with her, like she was letting you in on, on mm-hmm. secrets and stuff like that. She Oh, she was so good. Nicest person ever. Yeah. So if you require your authors to be likable, nice people... She is it for you. Yes. Let me tell you. Geraldine Brooks. She's Not, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. But Nathan Hill, let's talk about him a little bit because we just saw him. And he is also an all-around good egg. He's yes. just a really nice he seems guy. Like a gem. You know, this is his debut and it is um did it like it's like number five on the New York Times bestseller list. Yes. Yeah, and long. um he, you know, told this hilarious story about him and his wife like sitting on a pier eating dinner with like dolphins, dolphins. leaping, <laughs> literal like, dolphins at the same exact time that you know he gets this news on his phone, and they're just like, "What is even is so surreal life right mm-hmm. now?" Um, but so of course, I just I just saw that the book is being optioned, and J.J. Abrams and Meryl Streep want to produce it for a like a mini series on TV, and. You know, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Yes. Was, and, yeah, and I think that a miniseries would be great for this book because it's lengthy. It's about 600 pages. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't really wrap it all up into a movie. But I think a mini miniseries is going to be a great uh, yeah. medium for that. Yeah, I think so, too. And J.J. Abrams and Meryl Streep. And Meryl Streep. Come on. I mean, I know. You can't lose. Okay. So, do we have any more news and reviews for right now? Or are we ready? That seems it. To jump. Okay. Two book minimum. Yes. All right. You're first, Kate. Oh, thank you, Polly. (laughs) So this is two book minimum, where we talk about two books minimum and uh, kind of chat about what we've been reading and recommending lately. Um, The two that I've got, first of all, is um, a book of short stories by Helen Phillips called Some Possible Solutions. This is uh, kind of a hidden gem and... um, I would definitely recommend it if you like George Saunders, if you kind of like sort of bizarre, surreal, um, dystopia, question mark, short stories. Um, Karen, also Karen Russell, maybe? Yeah, I would say, okay. yeah, that would be a really good pairing, too. Okay. Um, there are stories um, 
One is about a woman who seriously suspects that her children are aliens and she keeps bringing it up to her husband and he's like, please stop saying our children are aliens. That's really harshing my mellow here. And, uh, and he's like, as you do. As, yes. When, yeah. yeah. When your spouse says that you're like, this is enough. Um, and he says that he's going to leave her if, uh, if she won't stop accusing the children of being <laughs> aliens. And then you find out that the children are aliens. And mm. so it's just what happens then. I've been there. Yeah. I thought you. at least one of yours must be. <laughs> um, and a good kind of aliens. <laughs> like elf. <laughs> exactly like that. Yes. Uh, but she talks a lot about, um, as you can see, motherhood and the, <laughs> the common challenges thereof. Um, she talks about kind of, postpartum issues and things like that and so I was thinking a lot about my friends who've had kids lately and um, they're just really it's beautiful stories about things that um, are mundane but also sort of mystical uh, and then my other book is by my beloved Louise Erdrich and I think that's how you say her last name I'm my last sure. name is Gramlich and hers is spelled the same so with it's the CH, so yeah, definitely that's why we're, we're related, probably. Yeah. Uh, so Louise Erdrich um, is a Native American author who has an, an enormous, um, giant stack of books that she's written. Uh, and she does excellent character development, and um, almost all of her novels take place in, in a Native community in uh, the Dakotas and Minnesota, and so... As you're reading all of her books, you see minor characters from other books become major characters in, in other novels. And uh, you really feel like you're immersed into in the community. And I, I love it. Um, Roundhouse is uh, the book that my book club just read. And it's a, um, a semi-mystery. And uh, Love Medicine, I would say, would be a good place to start if you're going to start on, yeah, on Erdrich. That one was good. Yeah, that really like throws you into a whole bunch of her, her characters. And a thing that I really like about her is that, um, so if you're binge-watching a show that you really like and you've watched all seven seasons or whatever, um, later on there are moments that might stick out in your mind that you really like from the show or like like really key moments or key emotions or whatever but you may not remember exactly what episode or even what season that there that moment was in um and that's what it kind of feels like for Erdrick because i will just remember these scenes and snapshots and i'm like what book was that even in i don't know i love it and it was her and so that's mostly what matters nice she's wonderful i i like a binge watch so i might, so you like, might like a binge read. yeah mm -hmm. is there do you have to read because there are characters who come up in different ways is there a particular way to read them i don't think so because i didn't start pick them up anywhere the book that i recommend people start with okay. and i still was i went into it just fine fantastic and because i like that sort of author um i an author I really want to try who I've heard is sort of similar is Isabel Allende. Mm -hmm. um, and she's so, got all that multi-generational thing yes, going on yeah. in her in so, stories. She'll be my next binge probably. Okay. What about you? Well, <laughs> thanks Kate. Uh, I, what I'm reading right now, I, and I actually have to admit, I could not get through it. Mm -hmm. I have been, it's so, 
I'm really having to like pick my way through this book and it's um, fantastic, but it's a little bit of a, a tough go. Um, but I would not let that dissuade you from reading it, mm -hmm. um, is The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness by Michelle Alexander. Uh, she um, is an academic, but this is, you know, it's still, it's, I said it was a slog. It's still pretty accessible, but it's just hard material. It's very smart. Um, and it's very smart, um, and it's really well-researched, very well-researched. Um, she examines um, from just kind of when slavery is ending in the United States to our current um, predicament with mass incarceration. Mm -hmm. um, and she sort of follows that along. This book is so important. I mean, I really I think we should be reading it like in high school in government class. It's really important because it connects the dots directly and it shows um, the politicians and the legislation and the policy from then till now oh, wow. that got us where we're going. Um, and um, if you want, like a, a good entry point is there's a um, documentary on Netflix called 13th. It's about the 13th Amendment. I heard that's so good. Oh, it's good. Heartbreak. It's good. I mean, just it makes you so mad. Yeah. It makes you so mad. Because, um, you know, slavery is actually still legal in the United States um, if you belong to the justice system. So um, oh, the only, you know, the, the people who can keep a person in slavery is um, the, the justice system. So if you're in prison, they you can are. force you to work. Um, and that's how, that's actually how things got started. Hmm. Um, so, you know, right after slavery was over, um, you know, there were a lot of free people walking around who still didn't really have a place and mm -hmm. were trying to find a place. And so they started making laws saying if you were a vagrant, which could right. mean if you don't have a job, you can be imprisoned. And if you're imprisoned, then they, they can, can make you work. Me. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. Um, and so uh, another, you know, like I was saying earlier, I, I'd also read Evicted by Matthew Desmond. And it's it's that same thing where if you really like to get into books that have been well-researched and, you know, talk a lot about social issues mm -hmm. in a really smart way, um, these two are, are really great books to read. So um, that's a heavy. And so <laughs> it's a heavy but it's really important. Yeah. I mean, I think I honestly, I'm not kidding when I say I feel like we should read this in high well, school. Well, it's like with Between the World and Me being um, the common book. I think another book kind of like The New Jim Crow would be a really great common book. Right. Even set even for, yeah. for younger audiences. Yeah. I think um, when we were discussing this earlier, I said something like, you know, um, being incarcerated or being evicted seem like moral issues. Mm -hmm. And um, what you find out is that you can directly trace, you know, policies that have and legislation that has happened that has created a systematic issue. It's not a moral issue. It's a, it's a systemic issue. So anyways, heavy. Let's get on to video the, games. To the fun book. Okay, so Ready Player One came out in 2011, and I call this sci-fi for non-sci-fi readers. Um, I started reading it, and uh, I was like, oh, this is so great. And then everybody in my family read it, and then we listened to it on audiobook. Oh. The audiobook is also great. It's read by Will Wheaton. Um, nice. So it's set in 20, um, four, or 2044, so actually... Not that far away. No. <laughs> when you 
No, that's weird. I know. Yeah. It's as far oh. away as you are old. Oh, my. I know. Okay. Just taking a moment. Mm. My mind is a little blown right now. Um, so it's set in a time when virtual reality is sort of where everybody lives. The real world has essentially gone to crap. Um, can I say crap? All right. Sorry. You can boot, you can boot that out. Boop. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's not a pleasant place to live. Um, but, uh, you know, there's this huge divide between the haves and the have-nots. Mm. And so um, people live in virtual reality. They go to school in virtual reality. They work in virtual reality. Jeez. And so um, there's great discussion to be had about this, I think, with book clubs you wouldn't think necessarily. But, like, what is reality? Is reality the place where you spend all your time or is reality somewhere else? Anyway, um, plus it's got, you know, there's just gaming and it's there's a quest and it's got tons and tons of 1980s, um, 1980s uh, nostalgia going on in there. So there's really a lot to discuss and it's really fun. And um, Spielberg, also movies coming. Okay. Spielberg is making a movie of this. It's due out in March of 2018. So all the super geeky people like myself and people that I, you know, are <laughs> really excited for this movie to come out. So, um, and this is a great, if you, if you like John Scalzi or Jonathan Lethem or Neil Stevenson or Cory Doctorow or, you know, any of those guys who write like techie, mm-hmm. geeky kind of um, books, this is this is great for that. Those folks, um, in addition to, like I said, sci-fi people who, who, don't who don't necessarily read sci-fi. Right. I guess I should say non-sci-fi readers. Like The Martian is a book like that. Yes. Didn't you think that? Accessible, but mm-hmm. yeah, and not too, too overwhelmingly sci-fi-y. No. Yeah, but yeah. it's straight up sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anywho's, those are my two recommendations. Well, wonderful. All right. So that was Two Book Minimum. Yes. Holly. <laughs> yes, it was, Kate. <laughs> okay. Now, and she said, she said, we say we go toe to toe over a shared book. But in this one, I think we are ankle our, to ankle. We our, are, our toes are pointing to the same way. Yes. So I don't know what you would call that. But our um, toes are definitely. Our toes are embracing. They're something yes. like that is happening. <laughs> Hey, you're weird. We like this book. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read a li- the little blurb from there. Um, when an infected bolt of cloth carries plague from London to an isolated mountain village, a housemaid named Anna Frith, who we love, mm-hmm. emerges as an unlikely heroine and healer. Through Anna's eyes, we follow the story of the plague year 1966 as her fellow villagers make an extraordinary choice. Convinced by a visionary young minister, mm-hmm, they elect to quarantine themselves within the village boundaries to arrest the spread of the disease. And then things happen. And then things happen. Okay. So this is Year of Wonders by Geraldine Brooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, <did this. laughs> we will get this right, people. Yeah. One Eventually, we'll say the book Year title. of Wonders, mm-hmm. Geraldine Brooks. This was one of her earliest, I believe it was, novels, mm-hmm. and um, it's incredibly well written historical fiction, and um, the, it's beautiful and spare. It's not really long. 
No, it's not. But, but it's you super feel, detail packed. Yeah, it's so detail packed. And she was a journalist, so we think this is how her writing style really is. Is she's learned to get like these pictures in your brain in just this small amount of words. She's good. She's yeah. really good. She's a genius at it. So tell me what you loved about this. Well, Polly, um, <laughs> a main thing that I loved um, and a big draw for me for historical fiction is a strong, awesome female character, which this definitely has. Anna is hit with crisis after crisis um, in uh, in this year uh, where the plague has pretty much ravaged the village. Um, and she... Um, kind of just gets to know herself through all of the trauma and through all of the struggle and uh, finds her own path and, and kind of learns to live a life that's drastically different from the one that she started with, but one that's maybe a little bit more on her terms. And she's just awesome. She, uh, I, another thing I kind of a kryptonite for me or a thing that I like is that no, that wouldn't be kryptonite. It would be the opposite. A dark chocolate of books that I like um, <laughs> would be midwife stories. And um, this has Anna kind of forced to learn midwifery. And um, and she had never, she'd birthed her own children. but um, And then she'd delivered a calf or a lamb or something like that. <laughs> something slightly different. Than yeah, a, it's a little different. Than a human child. Mm -hmm. But she's um, brought into midwifery and learns this skill that's obviously invaluable. And um, it's something that's passed down from woman to woman. And so um, I really, I really dug that a lot. Um, yeah. And, yeah. I think that um, when we, when we were talking a little bit about this, what struck us was that that fine line between having the knowledge mm -hmm. that you need to, you know, be of use to your society, to your community. So midwifery was important. Um, it was something that every society needed in order to, you know, mm -hmm. be able to keep the keep people going. Um, but what ends up happening is, you know, as you do that work, as you do any work, you become knowledgeable, you learn things that make labor better, you learn things that keep the moms and babies healthier. And, you know, you become a healer, a healing woman, and it's mm. just a step from that until you become... Burnham. A witch. A yeah. nasty woman. <laughs> <laughs> nasty woman. And let me tell you, I mean, that that is also in this novel. Mm -hmm. There's some witches up in here. Mm -hmm. I, I, I quite like them. I know, me too. <laughs> they were my favorites. Yeah. So... Um, but yeah, yeah, a woman having knowledge um, was necessary to, to birth those babies, but having too much having makes too the much. people skeptical. Yeah, it's the fine line. Mm -hmm. No, that's sort of weird to me. And and I, something that struck me as a mother was, you know, I feel like we get the sense that we're told the tale that, you know, for the longest time that you know, people didn't think of their children the same way as we think of our children now. And, you know, they just had a lot of them and they were kind of expendable because they knew mm -hmm. that they, you know, might not make it. And if that's true, it's not true in this book. I right. mean, I, I, 
there's a you know I don't think this is spoiling too much, but there's a you know a scene where Anna you know they realize that the lodger with the bolt of cloth um, was the for the carrier, mm-hmm. and he dies in her home after having spent so much time loving and children. playing with her children, and she runs from where she was to go home and lay her hands on her children just to make sure that they were cool and breathing. And, you know, and then I just think of like that, you know, the daily terror of is today the day is today the you know, is today the day. Um, so uh, it, it's got a, a lot chills. of, it's got a lot of walking dead sort of <laughs> parallels for me. We'll oh, talk Lord. about that later. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't, that would be very difficult. And and just the idea, because this is a real, this really happened. Geraldine Brooks yes. told us that this is actually based on a real village, that this really happened. And there wasn't much information about about the village. And so she was able to kind of take what factual information there was um, and some of the, the people involved and then just weave this beautiful tale. So, yeah. So that, I mean, the idea that you would, everyone would agree to just mm-hmm. wall themselves off and. For the good of. For the good the of. Many. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that, I mean, as, as you, it doesn't, didn't come out that easily as you'll see when you read the book. Right. But, um, and also, you know, the other thing that really struck me was just that, um, you know, now we were so separated in some ways you know we're so we're so clean and sanitized now and then you just lived in such close proximity you know you slept in the same beds um if somebody died you just you know took their mattress and whatever slept on their mattress and couldn't really sterilize things no no so you know it i mean yeah, that's why people got sick. That's why we had the plague then, because people didn't understand that. But then I think, like, we we feel so safe now. And then mm-hmm. something like Zika happens or Ebola. And, and then I think... Life is fragile. It is. It's still... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that made me think of some, some corollary reads for this, too. So Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel is, like, a current. You know, it, it's during current times, and it's a flu, Mm. That wipes out ninety nine percent of humanity, and then how we, how we kind of go on yeah. after that, or if you want to know more just about the plague um, by itself, um, then in the wake of the plague by Norman Cantor is is a is a good examination of like what the plague ended up doing. Like you were saying, how Anna was transformed. By the, yeah. By the plague. The plague is almost a, a character itself mm-hmm. in the novel. Right. And and it did, you know, that she interacted with this character and came out transformed. I mean, the same thing happened to the world. Mm-hmm. You know, the world came out transformed and new technologies were born and the, the feudal system. The feudal system, system fell apart. Yeah. And so, and, and what is about... Is that nonfiction? That's nonfiction. Okay. That's nonfiction. The, in the wake of the plague. And then controversial ending. Well, okay. So at her interview, Geraldine Brooks said that she had received some sassy hate mail about oh, her ending. Sassy. Really, A really. A lot yes. of salt. I think people were mm-hmm. cursing her um, mm-hmm. with the plague. Uh, but <laughs> so she 
the ending is 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 a bit controversial. We're not going to obviously give away the ending, mm-hmm. but um, no, but it's, I did not see it coming. I didn't either. No, like, not even see, from a hundred miles away. No, see, not from two miles away. I see, that not coming. even <laughs> not from two or two hundred. No. Not none of those. Did and not see it coming. I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about it. I can see I can see some goods and and some pros and some cons for it. So hmm. you all will have to read it. And I can't think of another ending though. Now, now that that ending's happened, and Anna's so transformed, I can't think of another ending that would be right though. I can. Can you? Yeah. All right. Let's talk about it after. Yes. Okay. Ha ha. You won't talk get about to it after. It. <laughs> <laughs> so, for folks who like Geraldine Brooks, um, some suggestions for similar would be uh, folks like um, Barbara Kingsolver. Mm. And oh, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Yes. Lisa C. Those are all uh, authors that have a very similar sort of evocative style. Character driven and mm-hmm. and very beautifully written. Um, so that's that was she said. She said we went toe next to toe. Toe next to toe. That was nice. Yeah. Like like someday our, we'll fight about it. I like about when about. our toes get along. Aww. Aww. <laughs> toe drama will happen someday All right. we pick a different book thanks Kate thank you Polly <laughs> alright next up we can't always be reading which I don't agree with but I yes, know sure. we'll see okay this is how our toes can argue okay because you say mm-hmm. you, I know you do other things sleep yeah okay. I do sleep Sleep and read. I do some other things. You mm-hmm. want to know what I did? Yes. This is what I did. Oh, no. I know. The Walking Dead. I can't. I watched it. Everybody out there Everybody's listening. so mad. They're so mad because some stuff happened. And that's all I can really say about it. I am still recovering. I'm in recovery from this. Mm-hmm. So I've been reading. to rec- <laughs> So that really sort of flips the meaning of this particular segment. I drove you to read. Um, but the other thing that's happened is I have a new dog. Yes, Gunther. Gunther. And mm-hmm. he's just, he's a boxer mix and he needs to walk a lot because he's got a lot he's of energy. He's very energetic. He's two. I got him from the pound. Aww. Adopt your dogs, everybody. Mm-hmm. But he, um, he's the sweetest and he's a gentleman, but he just needs a little, he needs to get walked. So that means I have more podcast time. And I found two podcasts this week. Um, Stuff Mom Never Told You, which is a minty. Sminty, they like to call themselves. And they, um, they're part of the How Stuff Works podcasts. And um, that's like history meets feminism meets good times. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great podcast. They have like 700 in their archives or something. Wow. Someday we'll get there, Kate. Yes. Someday. People will be talking about us. We're almost got number two right now. Yes. So, <laughs> so um, there's there's a ton. Um, and then the other is Unfriendly Black Hotties. Um, oh, that's so good. I know. It's so good. They Now, that one is salty. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of cursing. It's so good. It's so good. Um, They're so smart. Don't tell my mom, but <laughs> I, I really like it. Um, the great thing about that is um, they talk about um, academia, books, and culture. And so, you know, we live in a town with a lot of academia, and they just like to drop a lot of gossip. Because they're in it. They're in it. They are in it. So um, I like getting the inside scoop on mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. What, nice. are you, what are you up to? 
Um, well, last week I threw my back out getting up off the couch, which apparently I'm not supposed to do anymore <laughs> this close to 30. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm adding it to the list of things I just can't do anymore. Um, uh, and was laid out for a while and totally forgot that it was my two-year anniversary at the library. <laughs> Yay! It's been just an awesome two years. It has been. Um, so that's good. Uh, so some good, some bad. One thing that I did do when I'm not reading is drink, but sometimes I drink while reading, so Aww. I can I can always be reading. Actually, <laughs> thank you. Uh, but there was some epically amazing beer um, at uh, my favorite liquor store, which is Cork and Barrel. Shout out to Cork and Barrel in Lawrence. <laughs> we're not getting paid for this. No, we're not. But it would it wouldn't be bad if but we it's did. Local, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but so they had this trio of beers called Three Philosophers. It's three bottles of Three Philosophers. So I'm not doing the math there. It's just three bottles of Three Philosophers. <laughs> and by Omegong Brewery. And um, they are each uh, a barrel aged beer. Um, so it's aged in whiskey barrels, I think. Now I might be mixing this up with a different beer. No, but you said bourbon. Well, was yeah, that was a different one. Oh. I know. Okay. We weren't drinking when we did this. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> so, we should have been. But there, but these are beers that you can like. You can age them. You can put them in your cellar. Yeah, if you had a cellar. And yes. you can you can revisit them at some point in time. Yes. So these are ones. There's one from 2011, one from 2012, and one from 2013. Same beer, but three different year releases. And mm. I got them all for $15, which is like. Pretty sweet deal. A huge savings. I think that's probably worth forty or something like that. That's so sweet deal. And I could sell them, or I could just drink them all last weekend, yeah. which is what I did, which is great. Well, I've cellared some beer before, mm. like Budweiser or something, in the back of the fridge. Mm-hmm. For, yeah, I that I don't think you're supposed to do that. No, that's that's what my dad calls skunk beer. Uh huh. Yeah, it's not good. Aged Budweiser. <laughs> Maybe there's a market for that. Maybe we ought to start someday. On I that. think that'll be okay. it. Yeah. All right. Well, mm, right now, not so much. Not so much. Okay. Well, I do know mm. that some other things are happening. Some birthdays. Are some happening. birthdays. Two, the two people in this room right now have the birthdays two coming up. People in this room. One hundred percent of the people in this room have birthdays mm-hmm. coming up in the next week. In the next week, Polly's is on Saturday, mm-hmm. and mine is on next Thursday. Mm-hmm. And Kate will be thirty. Yes, and I Polly will be thirty. Some plus some numbers. <laughs> a fort year. I'm a yes. I made up a fort year because if a fortnight is fourteen nights, yeah, then a fort year is. Absolutely. Years. Yeah. Shakespeare probably wrote this I somewhere. I think that's how it happened. So I'll be a fort year older than you. That's nice. Math that. Don't math it. No, no. <laughs> Scorpio power. Yes. All right. So aside from what's happening in our own personal lives, um, some aw- something awesome is happening with the library in the coming weeks. Yes, it is. Can we do a drum yes. roll in here? <laughs> Book club speed dating. Tell the people about it, Kate. Uh, So, Polly, (laughs) book club speed dating is for book clubs. 
and it's speed dating. But instead of meeting new people, which is not what we necessarily need to do. Uh, I mean, people. But that's Yes. But not dating people. You're not dating okay. people. You, I mean, you can if you want to. But Whatever. We're at not. this personal, at this event, uh, what will happen is you and your book club friends will sit at a table with appetizers, cocktails, whatever you might want, um, and a librarian or a bookseller from The Raven will be, um, one of us will be at your table, very fast, very enthusiastically pitching uh, four books in five minutes. There's the speed dating part. And then a bell will ring, and then there'll be a flurry of cardigans as we all shuffle tables <laughs> and sit down, meet the next table, and then pitch once again. So yes. you don't have to move at all. You nope. just sit Sit there Eat, with drink. your little, like, mini dessert mm. and your glass of Pinot. Mm -hmm. Don't get up. No, let us do the work. Let us do the work. We'll come around. We'll pitch you. So by the end of the night, look, I'm going to math this, 32 oh, books. You, wow. you learn about 32 books by the end of the night. Also, you get to be the first people, if you come to this event, who learn about our brand new book club in a bag. Yes. Because we got 21 of them. Something like that, yeah. Some number over 20. More than a fort bag. More than a fort <laughs> oh, Nice. More than a fort bag. Uh, and you get to be the first people to put those on reserve. Yeah. So we should tell them when it is. Yeah, you should. Wednesday, we should tell them. November 16th. At 7 p.m. at Maselli's in Lawrence. Mm -hmm. It's going to be really cool. At Maselli's. Mm -hmm. Would be really awesome if I knew Maselli's address right now. It's on New Hampshire. <laughs> it is on New... It's like 10-something New yeah. Hampshire. You know what? 10-something New Hampshire. It's going to be in the show notes. Because yes. our producer's awesome and he'll make that happen. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. So... All right. Uh, that's our big, that's our big, big event. That's, that's a, yeah. And it's going to be fantastic. We did one in April. People loved it. Was it was a huge hit. Yeah. It was. Yeah. So we decided to do it a little bigger, a little better, mm -hmm. with a, a little, little, a little liquor. Mm hmm. So, all right. That we made it. We made it. Are we done for today? Yes, Polly. Did we, we tell are. all the bookish news that we knew, Kate? I think so. We'll walk out of here and, and think of 10 more things. We will. But that's for the next episode. All right. Next episode. All right. Happy reading. Yes. And that's it for this edition of the Book Squad podcast. Our wonderful Book Squad librarians are Polly Ken and Kate Gramlich. Our theme music is by Heidi Lynn Luke. You can find more info on the books and events mentioned in this episode, as well as listen to previous editions of the show at reader.ku.edu forward slash book squad podcast. I'm Nick Carswell, and this has been a production of Lawrence Public Library and Audio Reader Network. Da -da, da -da, da -da.